0: Hey guys, my name is Lisa M. Waring and this is Real Talk, a podcast where I discuss movies and TV more extensively and how art imitates life imitates art. We'll be continuing this month's world-ending theme with the 2016 action-adventure drama, The Girl with All the Gifts. Some scenes are a bit spicy, so prepare yourselves accordingly. Spoilers ahead. Let's get into it. Movie credits start appearing on the screen and we hear the voice of a young girl counting. One, two, three, four. Then fluorescent lights are turned on accompanied by a siren. And we see a young girl named Melanie in a prison cell. She gets out of her bed quickly and straps herself to a chair. Hmm, soldiers burst in with guns raised to secure her straps. Melanie greets the soldiers, but they don't return it. Rude. They wheel her out into the hallway with a line of other children, also strapped to wheelchairs. All of them are wearing orange jumpsuits. They bring him into a room that looks like a classroom, but prison. Jeez, who are these kids? Descendants of Hannibal Lecter? These kids have all gotta be like, I don't know, 11, maybe 12. Why are they all in prison? Maybe this is a psych ward. A woman arrives, puts herself down on the desk, and immediately starts grilling the kids on the periodic table. A few of them get some answers here and there, but it's really Melanie that knows everything. The girl is wicked smart. Their real teacher, Helen, arrives, and the other chick leaves. She gives the entire class a warm greeting and they return it. Good morning. It's just Finally, someone in this movie with manners. Melanie is really happy to see her. Helen gets ready to start their lesson, but the kids plead with her for a story. Helen concedes, and she reads the Greek mythology story of Prometheus and Epimetheus? A lot of eos. So basically in the story, the god Zeus is pretty pissed off at Epimetheus. Prometheus is one of those dudes. So he creates a woman out of clay and names her Pandora. Pandora is given a box, and she opens it, unleashing terror tragedy evils on mankind and Pandora's name means the girl with all the gifts okay movie I'm picking up what you're putting down the kids go back to their cells and the next day the soldiers come around and drop off their meals through the little slits in their doors it's a bowl of squirming worms I'm a little full from air so I'm good but Melanie digs in like it's a bowl of spaghetti guess I'm just a picky eater Melanie sits in her cell, counting again, and stops when she's visited by Dr. Caldwell, who she greets warmly. She's always greeting everyone with a warm good morning, even when they don't talk back to her. She's got some good manners. Dr. Caldwell asks Melanie to give her a number from 1 to 20. Melanie gives her 13. Dr. Caldwell makes a note and walks away. The next day, the soldiers are getting the kids out of their cells and taking them down the hall. Melanie notices that all the doors are opened. Except for door number 13. That's Kenny's cell. They're all in class and the kids notice that Kenny's spot number 13 is empty. Helen hands out paper to all the kids and unstraps one of their hands so they can write their own story. A couple soldiers watching through the doors are talking amongst themselves about how creepy the kids are. And they can't believe that Helen gets so close to them. Honestly, these kids seem so sweet. I don't understand what the problem is. Melanie promises to read her story out loud. She writes about a young girl who saves a woman from a monster in the forest. The story makes Helen tear up and Melanie immediately starts apologizing. She thought she did something wrong. Helen walks over to her and touches her head fondly. But then the door bursts open and Sergeant Eddie marches in and starts yelling at Helen about touching Melanie. No, you just touched her. And Helen said, I only touched the top of her head. What's the big deal, bruv? By the way, this movie is set in the UK, so that's. I apologize for any true British people who I've offended with my bad accent. Well, Sergeant Eddie shows us. Watch. He puts on his arm no, and wipes it, holding it out near children. the kids. Okay, they're zombie kids. Yeah, that makes sense. Well. I did say last week I wanted zombies. I ain't got my zombies. Helen begs him to stop. So he takes out some gel called block and puts it on his arm, rubs it in, and all the kids calm down. I guess the block gel cream blocks the smell of human meat. Sergeant Eddie warns her, don't let it happen again. The kids are returned to their cells, and... Melanie gives Sergeant Eddie a little bit of a tongue lashing. She did not appreciate how upset he got Helen, her teacher, who she loves. Sergeant Eddie, like most parents from the 80s era, don't take too kindly to disrespect. So he basically leaves her in the chair to sit in the overnight. Helen happens to stop by her cell later and sees how Sergeant Eddie left her. She opens the cell, gets in, and starts unstrapping at Melanie. However... Melanie can smell her, and she's fighting not to bite her. Before Helen can finish unstrapping her, Melanie yells at her, get out, get out, I can smell you, get out. So Helen rushes out the room and locks the door, just as Melanie starts going crazy. Dr. Caldwell visits Melanie again and asks her for another number. Melanie says four, which is her cell number. I just realized there aren't any toilets in the prison cell. These kids don't pee and poop? The next day, Sergeant Eddie comes to Melanie's cell, straps her in her chair, and takes her outside. This is the first time that Melanie's been outside. And we see it's not a prison, but a military base. As they cross the grounds, you can hear gunshots going off, soldiers running. There are soldiers stationed around the perimeter that's fenced off. Behind the fence are hundreds, maybe thousands of zombies that they're holding off. Apparently, this is an everyday routine. Sergeant Eddie brings her to the operating room and Melanie notices immediately that one of the shelves has a jar with a moldy brain in it. The jar is labeled number 13. Dr. Caldwell and her assistants show up in scrubs. She drugs Melanie and straps her to the table. Are they getting ready to take baby girl's brain? I guess the drugs wasn't a strong enough dosage because Melanie wakes up strapped to the table. Helen rushes in to stop them. She is not doing this anymore. She is fed up. She didn't sign up for them to be cutting children. Dr. Caldwell tells her these aren't children, they present as children. What? Whatever you say doc, they're very convincing. Dr. Caldwell is working on producing a vaccine and she says that Melanie is the key. She manages to distract Helen and pepper spray her in the eyes. (sighs) Ah, and she did it twice. She calls in soldiers and they take Helen away. Just as they're prepping, alarm sirens start going off in the entire facility. Something bad must be happening. They start lowering the shutters to close off the operating room. It's too late, zombies get in and attack the assistant. Dr. Caldwell manages to get away though. The assistant quickly turns into a zombie, but nothing like Melanie. She doesn't attack Melanie. She doesn't even acknowledge Melanie. Melanie manages to break herself free and gets away. Melanie goes outside where she sees the defense has fallen. Zombies are everywhere, attacking soldiers and running all over the grounds. She sees two soldiers that were hurting Helen and rushes over to them and attacks the two of them and eats some of them. Then she gets sleepy from feeding and lays down. Helen picks her up and she's just looking around as zombies are running among everywhere. She manages to escape in an armored truck with Sergeant Eddie, Dr. Conwell, and two other soldiers. That was intense, the whole scene is pandemonium. They get away in the armored truck. They're trying to reach Beacon, their home base, But it's a no-go. And they're running low on supplies, including water. The soldiers put a clear mask on Melanie's face and strap her to the roof of the truck. So she isn't a danger to anyone. They make a pit stop to re-up on water. And one of the soldiers gets spooked by some bushes moving and fires off a few shots. Let's just let all the zombies in the area know that we're there. Well, a few zombies here and come try to attack them. But they manage to kill him. They do lose one of their guys. So now they're down to five. Dr. Caldwell, Sergeant Eddie, another soldier named Karen, Helen, and Melanie. Now Melanie has seen the outside world for the first time. And this is her f- first interaction with other zombies who don't function like her and her classmates. He was turning into one of them, like Dr. Solkirk. In this world, they don't call them zombies, they call them Hungries. Melanie, the hungries have got this sort of disease and people can catch it. A fungal infection. So Dr. Kawa explains to her that their people were infected with a fungal infection in their brain. The same fungus she has in her brain, but they don't seem to function the way that she does. In the melee of killing the zombies, they trash the truck. So now they have to walk the rest of the way. Damn. They come to a city full of hungries, but they're all standing, unmoving, eyes closed, like they're on standby. Also, the zombies are hungries in this world. They don't attack people like Melanie, so she doesn't have to worry about them. So they come up with this plan for everyone else except for Melanie to put on the blocker gel, cover their scent, and as long as they're quiet and don't make noise, they can walk through the zombies and get through the city. I would literally starve because I'm not doing that. I'll just die over here in the grass, thank you. As they're walking in between the zombies, and they see that there's a zombie sleepwalking, pushing a stroller, say what? This intrigues Dr. Codwell, who can't help herself. She goes over, removes the blanket, and sees a rat feasting on the body of a deceased. <coughs> She lets out a gasp, but wakes up a few of the zombies. They kill them with silencers and quickly leave. They find an abandoned building and barricade themselves in. Dr. Caldwell. What am I? We don't really have a term for it. Dr. Caldwell tells her of a mission that some soldiers were sent on some years ago. They came across the maternity wing of a hospital as they were casing the area and found the remains of... Women in the maternity ward who had been pregnant, but were not anymore. They must have gotten infected while they were there. And the fungus penetrated their bloodstream, affecting the babies. Babies turned and ended up eating their way out of their mother's bodies. Hardcore. I don't think gentle parenting would work on these kids. These kids had a partial immunity to the pathogen, so they aren't fully mindless zombies. Melanie tells Dr. Codwell that she doesn't wanna be a hungry. She talks, she thinks just like her. She's just like her. Dr. Codwell tells her, mm, no sweetie, there's never been anything like you ever. Is that a compliment or a diss? In the morning, they look outside and they see that the sleeping sandby zombies are much closer now. Melanie tells them she's hungry. Y'all better get this girl some food. So they let her out and Melanie starts walking through the zombies with no problem. Then she sees a cute little kitty, chases it and eats it. (laughs) Then she conks out. Every time this girl feeds, she gets super sleepy. I've heard of the itis, but this is next level. She goes through the abandoned houses, just looking at people's pictures and things. She finds a dog and brings it back to the area and lets it loose so the zombies can go chase it. With them out of the way, the group heads out back on their way. Melanie asks Sergeant Eddie if she can play with his two-way radio. And he lets her, and they're communicating. Someone getting solved? (laughs) The part of the city they reach is very quiet. There's like no zombies. Then they find zombies on the floor with fungus and sprouts growing out of them. They seem to be deceased. I mean, more deceased than they already were. They're not animated. Dr. Caldwell tells them this is the next stage in the pathogen life cycle. The fungus is turning zombies into seed pods. Why does this look familiar? What is this fungus pathogen thing reminding me of? Can't quite put my finger on it. I'm sure it'll come to me. So Melanie's a second generation, hungry zombie, whatever you want to call, so that's not gonna happen to her. Then they come across a huge tower leading up to the sky that is covered in fungus and seeds, like thousands of seeds. That's why there are no hungries there. They've all turned into this huge fungus tree. Dr. Caldwell tells Sergeant Eddie that if any of the seed pods break open, the fungus will officially become airborne. Game over. But these seeds, they don't break open easy. You gotta use fire. They come across a fully functioning, solar powered armored lab in the middle of the area kieran goes out to find supplies melanie is also hungry again so she goes to find food don't worry she's not hunting kieran but she does find a store with a bunch of kids like her hybrid hungries but they don't talk they communicate with noises and grunts and signs she realizes that they can smell kieran and are going to go hunt him Yikes! back at the lab dr cowbell is trying to convince helen to help her operate on Melanie the lab that they found has everything they need for her to make a vaccine the caveat is Dr. Caldwell is dying she cut herself earlier when she was escaping and contracted blood poisoning so the clock is ticking Melanie runs in and tells them about the other children that she saw who are now hunting Kieran they gotta go save him just then Beacon comes over on the radio letting them know that they're being overrun too that they need to go find safety helen melanie and sergeant eddie leave to go find kieran dr cobble stays behind but it's too late kieran is expired these uh these wild hybrid kids they had set a trap and then a trap within the trap because they trapped them when they get out of the store they're surrounded by the wild kids sergeant eddie's ready to like pull out his gun and melanie's like no let me then the alpha steps up, and they're grunting, and they start fighting. And she kills the alpha, scaring away the other wild kids. Damn, that girl's a beastie. When they get back, Dr. Caldwell has gassed up the place, knocking all of them out. She turns the oxygen back on and pulls Melanie into the room to operate on her. Turns her back, and Melanie's up. Yet yeah, turns out Melanie doesn't need to breathe as often as we do. And at base, she used to count up to a thousand just to see how long she could hold her breath. That's why she's do all that counting. Makes sense. I mean if you're in the cell all day, nothing to do. Doctor Codwell tells her she can come up with a cure that can save everyone, including Helen, that she knows Melanie loves. I hear you, Doc, but you're not looking good. You know what I mean? Like you look like you're struggling. I don't even know if you can make it through this operation that you want to do so badly. Melanie asked Doctor Codwell if she's changed her mind about her initial position. Does she think that her and the other children are alive? Dr. codwell says, Yeah, I think you're alive. Then Melanie says, Then why should we die for you? <laughs> you're raising some good questions, Melanie. She's got you, doc. The thing about this lab is you can seal it from outside. So Melanie tells Dr. codwell to stay there, she'll be safe, and she leaves. But Dr. Codwell doesn't listen, and she follows her, trying to stop her. The wild hungries find her, and it's a wrap for Dr. Codwell. Melanie goes to the big tower with all the seeds, and she sets it on fire, releasing all of the fungus seed pods. Unfortunately, Sergeant Eddie had woken up and followed her to try to find her, which he did, but the pods are in the air, so he's getting the fungus entering his lungs. He tells her, it's over. Now Melanie says, it's not over. It's just not yours anymore. She tells him she's sorry. She thought he'd be safe in the lab, locked up. He starts jerking because he's getting infected and he hands her his gun. He doesn't want to walk the earth as a hungry. With tears in her eyes, Melanie complies and puts Sergeant Eddie out of his misery. Helen wakes up in the sealed airlock and looks outside to see all the pods floating around. Melanie stands on the other side of the lab and they stare at each other knowing that Helen's going to have to stay in there. Some time has passed. not sure how much. It's morning. Helen is laying down and a tear drops from her eyes. We hear a knock. She wipes away the tear and rises up. She goes out of her room. She's still in the lab, out into the, the open area, and she sets up her dry erase board. As she's doing this, we can see the other kids from this facility and the new wild kids all gathered around sitting outside the lap. She gets on the intercom, greets the class. They greet her back. And Melanie's walking around making sure everybody's paying attention. Then she begins the daily lesson. Roll credits. My thoughts. I loved this film. The zombie genre has been oversaturated for so long that it was really refreshing to see a different take on them. It was like watching the role from their point of view. I did a similar thing with my zombie series, except it wasn't fungus, it was DNA that they were born with that made them zombies. And they didn't eat people or terrorize anybody. I can't believe I bombed like this. Yo, who, who cares, really? Yo, I care, Why? Yeah, you're the only one. They're just treated as second class citizens. It's more of a social commentary. You can actually find season one on my YouTube channel, and season two is in post-production and will be released this year. Did I just plug my own show? You're damn right. So, Dr. Codwell has told Helen that, you know, they're not children, they only present as children. And most of the people in this film didn't see any of them as human except Helen. And at the end, Sergeant Eddie and Karen. I loved how the movie pushed back at the idea of just, you know, mindless zombies, um, not only through the hybrid kids, but the zombies themselves to that part where the zombie lady was pushing the stroller through the crowd, <laughs> you know. Even under the control of a fungus that infected their brain, there's a still a sliver of remaining humanity beneath the surface. The nurturing behavior, the need for them to be in groups, even if there's no food nearby. Okay, I know this movie is giving major Last of Us vibes, and both IPs use fungus infecting our minds as a catalyst for zombies or hungries. Now this movie is based on a book published in 2014 by Mike Carey and The Last of Us Game was released in 2013. However, the book was originally a short story that was nominated for the Edgar Allan Poe Award in 2013. Now the property report's being based on the other. This was just a happy creative coincidence. It happens. When Helen is reading the mythical story of Prometheus, after Pandora's box was opened and emptied, uh, it says that Pandora looked inside the box and saw hope all at the bottom. Everyone in this movie is holding out hope for a cure. And hope does come, but not in the way that they expect it. Their generation is done. Humans as we know is done. But mankind itself lives on in this new hybrid second generation What a character arc Sergeant Eddie Parks had. What? (laughs) Oh, my God. He went from being one of the most hated characters for me to one that I was really rooting for. His coldness and indifference towards Melanie, like it melts away slowly as he begins to truly like get to know her, talk with her, spend time with her. And I feel like the change officially started happening after they left the base. The first time she asked him a question and he answered her. Because this man was big rude the whole time. You saw where he started to kind of start eyeing Dr. Caldwell and looking at her funny for some of the things that she was saying. He was slowly losing her vision. To be fair, I feel like Sergeant Eddie and Melanie won each other over. Because in the beginning, Melanie didn't like him either, even though she was very cordial with him. After Melanie puts Sarge out of his misery at the end and she rests his weapon on him, she says the word transit. It's where I said a few times during the film when the soldiers are like moving the kids from one place to the other. Rise and shine, come on up again. Transit on the news. And it's what she understands as meaning going from one place to another. So initially Sergeant Eddie has, he's transitioned. He's trans, he, he's no longer here. The thing I wonder most is what the heck is Helen gonna do now? Yeah, she's alive. She's sealed off in the pod. I guess, teaching these kids every day from inside. But how the heck is she getting food? Because even if there's food in there left, there's not a lot. It's gonna run out. Supposedly, it's better explained in the book. Not surprised. Books are better. Fight me. I don't know when, (laughs) but I'm definitely gonna like read or listen to the book on audio. As always, I have more thoughts on the movie, but I gotta keep this short and sweet, guys. So what do you guys think about the movie? Let me know in the comment section. Let's talk about it. Next week is the viewer's choice. I took a poll and you guys decided that the final apocalyptic movie of this month is going to be Moonfall. This is going to be a first time watch for me. So I'm really excited to see it. If you enjoyed hanging out with me today, please hit that like button. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell so you can always be up to date on everything that's going on. For the access to episodes, exclusive content, bonuses, and perks, check out my Patreon, NXG Global Productions, and become a part of the community. We're also on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Links are in the description. Later!